Welcome to Homeschool Your Way, the upbeat, open-minded podcast that informs and affirms your choices about your kids' education. We'll provide a buffet of ideas to inspire you to homeschool your way, because your way is the best way. All of the content on the Homeschool Your Way podcast is provided for informational purposes only and should not be taken as medical or legal advice. The views expressed by the hosts or guests of the show are not necessarily endorsed by Bookshark. Welcome to Homeschool Your Way. I'm your host, Jana Cook, and I'm the community manager at Bookshark. Today, I'm joined with Amy UC. We're going to be talking about not only homeschooling in her own home, but Amy is a second-generation homeschooler. And she has the unique perspective of being the now owner of a program called Plan Talk. We're going to get into all that. But first, let me introduce you to Amy. Hi, Amy. Hello. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Let's take some of that excitement and jump right into how did you get into homeschooling? Well, I mean, you already mentioned I'm a second generation homeschooler. Um, It feels like I've been in homeschooling forever, but I guess the uh, origin story of homeschooling for me would be when my mom tried to put me in a Montessori preschool when I was about four. She'd drive me there. She'd drop me off. She'd come home and she'd get a call. "Uh, Mrs. Friend, your daughter has spiked a fever. Can you please come pick her up? Yes, I know. I did that every day until she finally pulled me out of the Montessori preschool. (laughs) I was a little bit of a difficult, uh, I'm the first of four kids. So I gave my mom a little bit of a run for her money. And that's when she decided to homeschool me. (laughs) And I've been homeschooling pretty much ever since. You're just paving the way for her. So when those childs two, three, and four came through, she would just go sailing on that on that road that you smoothed out for her so quickly, it sounds like. <laughs> uh, some somewhat, yes. So in your homeschooling experience, um, I I know my the uh, people have listened to me before on the podcast or watched the videos. I was a reluctant homeschooler for my own children. I was homeschooled myself. Um, I had a great experience. It wasn't that I didn't enjoy it, but I never saw myself homeschooling my own kids. What about you? Were you gung ho from the beginning? That was what you were going to do. Yeah, I was gung ho from the beginning. I I was one of those. I married a little bit later, and so I had kids a little bit later. I'd had a great career in corporate, and I really just wanted to be home with my kiddos and um, just be there for everything. So yeah, I I really wanted to do it. It's in my heart. I'm I know what curriculum I like. I know what curriculum I don't like. I know what teaching styles I like because. Um, I mean, my mom tried it all on me because when I I was a uh, homeschooled in the eighties, so I'm in, I was in the total pioneering days, and we didn't have a lot of curriculum back then. But my mom tried it all on us, and so I I know that I, I tend to go towards certain styles, just not only for receiving as a student, but also for teaching as as a mom as well. Yeah. I I like to say that um, when people ask me about my own homeschool experience, I said I was homeschooling before it was trendy. Like we were, we were kind of looked at as the weird kids that people would be like, Oh, well, can you socialize? And my common response would be like, well, I'm talking to you. So obviously I can socialize. (laughs) No, the question is, is if you, if your mom told you, this is what my mom used to tell us, but we also were homeschooled in California. So a little bit different, but my mom would say, okay, it's not two o'clock yet. You're not allowed to go outside until two o'clock because the truant officer may pick you up. 
Wow. No, I never got that. <laughs> yeah. That that's the, that's the, you know, you were homeschooled in the eighties. If <laughs> yeah, homeschooled in the eighties in California, in California. If. Yes. Love yes. You. yes. Yes. Yeah. I have to tell you that when you were saying that I pictured chitty, chitty, bang, bang, when the guy went around the village, rounding up the children, <laughs> if you can recall, I think that's how I pictured it in my mind as well. <laughs> Very, very afraid. Needed to stay inside the. Run, um, he's coming. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so glad we've moved beyond that now in homeschooling, yes. right? It, there's been a resurgence of homeschooling, and COVID kind of propelled a lot of people into this arena that yeah. maybe weren't even expecting it. And so now we get to welcome with open arms all of those who are new to this um, type of schooling and get to share our fun experiences not only our own stories, but now we get to talk about our kids and the therapy yeah. that they will need later on <laughs> in life, which is totally fine. I joke and say, we don't save for wedding funds in my home with my three girls. We save for therapy. So that's hilarious. We're getting it covered. <laughs> we're getting it covered. Well, why don't you share a homeschool hack with our listeners? Okay. I've got one for those with younger kiddos like myself and those with older kiddos, because I have a four and a seven-year-old. So I'm fully in the Play-Doh and the pipe cleaning and pipe cleaners and all that stuff. So um, for those with older kiddos, if you can gamify, gamify anything and everything, it will make homeschooling go so much faster. And those with younger kiddos, if you can turn it into some sort of play-based learning experience, they will just love it. And what I mean by both of those would be like, um, when we're practicing letters for the younger kiddos, I'm uh, doing letters in Play-Doh. We're doing letters with pipe cleaners. We're doing letters in sand. We're doing letters in dirt. We're doing all sorts of experiential type things. And then for those with older kiddos, like take the Nerf gun and start um, shooting at blends when you're practicing your blends. You know, take everything and gamify or make it into play. I think that's a great lead into the program that you now champion for play and talk. So let's talk about play and talk. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Well, um, play and talk, it's actually really interesting because I actually learned how to read with play and talk when I was five. And um, my mom found it a little bit kind of out of desperation, honestly, because I had just been diagnosed with dyslexia, ADHD, and a slight auditory processing delay. And um, experts at that time, which they didn't know as much as they know today, but then they had told me that I would never read past the sixth grade level. So my mom, pretty much like any homeschooling parent was like, no, not my daughter. And she went and researched and she found this phonics program, Play and Talk. And she bought it on a payment plan on a pastor salary. You know, she, it was, it was a little bit out of her reach at that point. So she dutifully paid, paid every month for it. Um, and she put me through it. It, it takes most kiddos two years to go through. It did take me three. So it took me a little bit longer, but by the time I finished it, I was reading at a college level and I was spelling at a sixth grade level. Wow. So, I can't even spell at a sixth grade level, Amy. So <laughs> I might need, I might need a crash course in play and talk. <laughs> you can uh, come teach my kids if you like. <laughs> um, no. So um, fast forward a bazillion years, because that was quite a while ago. And I, um, they had closed down for a period of time because the owner or the founder had passed away and her kiddos, they had their own companies. Nobody wanted to run it. 
And it came towards me starting to teach my kiddos to read with that program. And I only wanted to teach my kids to read with Play and Talk. And so I approached the family and I asked them if I could bring the company back. So when COVID hit, literally in 2020, I relaunched Play and Talk after it had been closed from 2007 to 2020. So a slight hiatus and I brought it back um, and... I had a baby, a third baby, essentially. I have two kiddos, a four and a half year old daughter and a almost seven year old son. And then a third baby, which is play and talk. How exciting that you were given this opportunity to um, resurge a program that had gone out of print. That was something that you were so passionate about because it had helped you all those years ago. I, I couldn't let it die. I couldn't let it, 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 it's been all around for 60 years. I have in now that I've taken over the company, I have bankers boxes. I can't even, I don't even know what to do with them, but bankers boxes full of testimonials from schools, from private schools, from um, homeschoolers. I just have bankers boxes full of these uh, handwritten letters, typed letters, emails. I mean, everything. And there with such a rich history and the, the program was actually originally developed out of um, the Isabel Buckley School in Beverly Hills. Um, the founder, Dr. Marie Ledoux, her, she had her kiddos in that school. And they were, I think they were ages like eight and 10 at the time. And they were reading out of the Wall Street Journal and understanding it. And she's like, what, how, how is that possible? So she went to their school to figure out what they were doing. And she found that they had developed this amazing program. They, they surveyed all of the country and they found the best of the best. They created their own program. And so she, with their permission, created a program off of that program. But she also did the additional work of contacting everyone's one room schoolhouse still in existence mm-hmm. at that time, back in the sixties. And she found out how they taught their kiddos how to read with um, phonics. Mm-hmm. And so she piled everything and she launched this program and it's been 60 years of success. It's just such an amazing, rich history. I would say as a homeschool parent who was reluctant, and then I didn't actually have to teach my children how to read, which I was like, okay, I dodged that bullet. Um, But for parents, that is one of their biggest concerns. How am I going to teach my child the basics of reading and writing and spelling and these things? And so I love that we have this opportunity to share with families who are looking for a program that is very much based in play. So why don't you give us an idea of how the program works? Definitely. So as I mentioned, it's a two-year program and it's only 20 minutes a day. So what we do is we separate the 20 minutes into two 10-minute lessons. And we do that because for the younger learners, and let me step back, this is a skill-based curriculum, so it's not age-based. A lot of parents ask me, is it good for my two-year-old? Is it good for my three-year-old? How about my 12-year-old that's struggling with spelling and reading? How about my 15-year-old? So it's a skill-based curriculum. It can work with any of the kiddos. And the best thing is that it is non-consumable as well. So we have a lot of families that will purchase it once and they'll use it with all of their kiddos. And a lot of times they'll have an older kiddo and we'll tell them, have them teach the younger kiddos so that it kind of saves their um, ego a bit and it helps their spell and helps their reading while teaching the younger kiddos. And the thing is, is that they're not actually teaching. It's teaching because we have over 210 audio lessons. So the teacher's not 
the parent, the teacher is actually on the recording. So all the parent does is facilitate to make sure the kiddo has their book open. So they're looking at their book. They're listening to the teacher teach. They're interacting with the teacher speaking. So they're hearing it. They're speaking it. They're seeing it. And they do that for 10 minutes. And then they go off, take a break, and then they do a 10-minute game. So it's all play-based, everything. I mean, we have several different games. We reinforce every phonetic concept that we teach seven different ways. I think that is exactly what most parents are looking for, right? They are looking for a way to engage their children in different types of activities. Um, Music is one of those things that I have been very aware of that the public school is getting away from. And yet there are studies that prove that when you learn something in a song or have music tied to it, it sticks. I mean, you and I probably could go back decades thinking of jingles from television shows and advertisements that, you know, like all of a sudden, not even now I'll hear it and I'll sing along. I'm like, oh my gosh, where did that, how did I remember that? But it's one of those um, teaching um, styles that I don't think is utilized nearly as much, I think, in the modern education. And, you know, I, I'm glad to hear that there is some resurgence with that in your program. What is some of the feedback that you get from maybe some modern families when they hear that, like, it's an audio lesson and there is singing and clapping? Um, you know, because it's kind of a lost art, are mm. you getting um, good feedback from your families? We are getting excellent feedback. And also too, we we have it. So it's kind of um, developmentally at different stages. So most of the singing actually happens in the beginning of the program, which is called Sing and Sound. And that's where we actually teach the alphabet and we teach their sounds. And interestingly enough, and a lot of parents will actually ask me, do you teach all of the sounds up front? And we don't actually, we teach, uh, we hold off on the schwa A, we teach the basic, the long and the short. And the reason is, is that our program is actually designed to build self-confidence for kiddos, especially those that have maybe experienced some challenges in their reading and they're doing this for a remedial thing. Um, We really want them to know their uh, long and short vowel sounds so that when we start to build three letter words right in the beginning, they're able to actually pick it up and they feel confident in what they're doing. So they're excited to take the next challenge and tackle the next one. So we do what we call um, spiral learning, where we they master a, a, a new concept and then they build upon it and then they master another one and they build upon it. So it's a, a little bit different, but it's worked for over 60 years. I have four and five-year-old little girls that after only one year of using our program, they're reading a fifth grade level. Yeah. It's, it's insane. I wish that I was doing that. But like I said, for me, it took me a little bit longer because of the learning challenges. But the beautiful thing is we have so many kiddos with learning challenges and they just excel too. It takes them a little, each person goes on their own journey in terms of how long it takes them. It's not a marathon. It's, I mean, it's not a race. It's actually a marathon. Yeah. I think that, that we should just probably hashtag that and make some t-shirts about homeschooling in general, that if you expect it to be a sprint and to get it all done, um, you're going to be sorely disappointed because it does take years. You know, you talk about curriculum and this being around for as long as it has been, but even curriculum developers, it takes Mm -hmm. a long time to develop these things. And so when they're already done for you, we then as parents need to understand that it still takes time for our children to then grasp these concepts. I know I've talked to plenty of parents who are, are frustrated because they feel like their children aren't where they should be. 
And one of the biggest things I think that we need to get away from in homeschooling or education in general is there is no should. Like we don't need to do that to our kids. They are where they are at. And then we get to celebrate that and watch them grow from there. And so when we have challenges with reading and spelling in these other areas, math, I mean, like you said, each child is individual. So we will have challenges in different areas that it is a process that instead of being anxious as parents, that maybe we're doing something wrong, we just need to trust the process. And if it takes two or maybe three years, if your child, you know, doesn't end up reading until they are 12, that that's okay too, that, you know, just to, to give parents that encouragement that there is help out there, but there is no reason to assume that something is wrong with you or your child just because something hasn't clicked just yet. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, and that's a, the beautiful thing. And this is why we homeschool. We teach to our specific child, and each child is different. Each child has different likes and dislikes. And it's like you know, my children won't touch peas, right? <laughs> Whereas maybe your children love peas. But that's why we're teaching and doing things this way, so that we can teach to their individual giftings, so that they can be all that they're created to be in this life. Hey, podcast listener, Bookshark has a special offer just for you. Head to bookshark.com slash podcast dash five to request your $5 coupon that you can use on any purchase in the Bookshark store. Yep, anything. Again, that's bookshark.com slash podcast dash five. Don't forget the dash five. You can use your $5 off on a curriculum package, a hands-on kit, math, handwriting, spelling, or even a single book. It's up to you. So go to bookshark.com slash podcast dash five to get your $5 coupon. The $5 podcast listener coupon is limited to one per household, one coupon per order. So when parents come to you and ask about your program, is there an average age where you're like, hey, kind of hold off or yes, jump in with both feet? Or do you not really steer either way? You just say, here it is. Enjoy. I actually, I do try to steer a little bit because I asked them, well, are there signs of readiness with your kiddo? I have um, one customer that I met at a, a conference in Arizona this last weekend. And it was amazing because he taught his three-year-old son to read and he was reading by three and he used our program, right? And this was actually, he was actually taught himself as well. So he was a second generation dad as well, but he taught his son at three and now his son's reading like epics at five. Yeah. It's just, it just depends. And, but yet my son, I actually held off with him and I started him later with it because I knew he wasn't ready. So as a parent, it's our job to just kind of look for those signs. Like, are they trying to like, are they wanting to read? Are they trying to pretend like they're reading in books? Are they pretending to write their name? Are they asking questions about it? Are they, you just have to you, each individual kiddo. I mean, some are ready at two and some are ready at seven and even beyond. So, um, but that's the beautiful thing with our program, like you mentioned earlier, I mean, we have the 10 minutes of instruction, but then we have different games where they just play. So you're playing spell lingo, which is like a bingo type game with your kiddos. So they're actually learning short vowels while playing a game with their siblings and with you. So it just, just, as long as you keep it fun and exciting and short lessons, kiddos just, they learn, they pick it up at their pace, whatever that pace is. Yeah. 
Well, that, that I love that it, you say it's skill-based and to be aware of readiness um, in your children, because I think in the world of Instagram and Facebook and TikTok, and you see, you know, and you hear stories about children reading at three and yeah. five-year-olds completing Harry Potter. I think as a, an average parent, I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I doing wrong with my kids? They They, you know, are still putting boogers on the walls. I don't know. Like, is that any indication of my parenting or or homeschooling in any way? But there is, you know, there is no right age. There is no, it must be done by now or else. And I think that is something that is comforting to hear, especially if you're coming into homeschool that, you know, just don't worry so much about what everyone else is doing, because I think that robs us of the joy when we are homeschooling our children, because we start to compare and say, Oh, I heard so-and-so kids already doing this. And then, you know, you miss the beautiful things that your own children are doing because you're so worried about that. They're not keeping up with somebody else's kids and they were never created to keep up with someone else's kids. I get it. It is so hard. I mean, as a homeschooling mom myself, um, I have one of my best friends who we hang out with all the time. She's been teaching her daughter to write for the last two years. So she's just turning seven, seven, six, five. So since she was five, but I purposely held held off because I've seen research studies and I've seen actual x-rays of kids' hands at five and seven. And I've, I've seen that the five-year-old's hand, they're not fully formed. There's laxity in the tendons. The bones aren't fully formed. And I've, I've seen that in a difference of a seven-year-old whose um, hand is fully formed. So I've actually, I held off on teaching my son printing and writing. And it was so hard because his little friend was, you know, writing like complete copy sentences, everything. And, and um, my son's grandmother kept saying, Oh, can you write your name yet? And I was like, Nope, we haven't taught him yet. But I stood up for what I believed in for my kiddo. And, and the beautiful thing is we've started writing now that he's almost seven and he's writing it perfectly. So waiting for him was the right thing, but that's every parent has to decide what's right for each of their kiddos because every single one of them, they're all different. Right. And your daughter may be, she may on her own pick up that crayon or pencil, right? And start writing. (laughs) Yes. And she's my opposite. So she's ready and she's doing it right now. She's writing her name. She's doing her letters. So it just depends. Every child is different. Just when you think you get homeschooling down with one, Oh, mm-hmm. the next one totally shifts it, but that's mm-hmm. kind of the beauty of the adventure. Yeah. And if we can keep in mind that it is an adventure, that it isn't a, um, a problem that needs to be solved, that it's not a chore that has to be done because when you start to feel that way, um, really yeah. about anything in life, you, you start to dread it, right? You're like, uh, I don't think I want to, why am I doing this? Or, you know, I, I guess I have to get it done today. And your children pick up. I know my kids pick up on that all the time. <laughs> like, uh, not really feeling it today, mom. Like, and I can just be honest. So like, I'm not, let's watch it. Let's watch a movie. We'll call it a documentary and <laughs> school is done for the day. <laughs> and it's, it's those times that they remember and in that they see that, you know what, you're not always going to be hundred percent. You're not always on, you're not going to master everything the first time. And that's all okay. That is part of learning and learning for learning's sake is important. It's not learning to achieve something. Right. And I think again, as we're coming out of this public school era thinking like, okay, well, test scores are important. Well, where are the tests? Like, well, there are no tests. How can there not be any tests? You know, like that really creeps people out. 
because it's out of the norm. And well, how do you know they're learning? I'm like, cause I talk to my kids. I, I don't, I don't know. Like if you really want to confuse somebody, just let them know you don't, you're not testing your kids and that'll really can confuse them. Now, that being said, let's talk about play and talk. Are there tests? <laughs> no, there's no tests. Okay, good. Phew. Um, <laughs> there's one requirement in play and talk where you have to actually make sure that they master something. And that is right before when they finish seeing sound and they're ready to move into the main part of the program, you do have to make sure that they know all of their letters, upper and lower case, and they know their sounds, but we have taught them that. So as long as you know that, which you do, because you're the one home schooling them, then you can move on to the main part of the program, but that's it. Everything else, you just take it at their pace and you just have fun. That's the main part. It's not supposed to be tedious. It's not supposed to be hard. You, that's why it's two 10 minute lessons a day. So two 10 minute lessons a day. And in two years, kiddos are reading up to a college level afterwards and spelling at a sixth grade level. And let me put it this way, the sixth grade level thing, I need to actually relook at those spelling words because the last time I looked, supraorbital was not a sixth grade word. This was sixth grade 60 years ago when we developed it. Right, right. I was going to say, I think I recall when I was in college 20 some <laughs> years ago and one of the requirements in the class I was taking was we each had to get the um, magazine um, time. And so that was, that was what we used to critically think and, and analyze some stuff. And later on found out that time was written for about an eighth grade level reader. And here we are in college thinking that we were <laughs> such big, you know, philosophers with our analytics of these, these articles that, you know, I, and I think too, sometimes for someone like me, I'm like, okay, why would I want my five-year-old reading a college level? I'm not going to sit them down with a college book and say, here you go, have fun. So explain that just a little bit to our listeners. Like, what does that actually mean? So we give them the tools. So we teach them all the rules and the exceptions to the rules. We actually don't teach any sight words, which is really different from most programs. And that's because we really do comprehensively cover every single rule and we teach them in rhymes so kids can understand and they remember them. So yes, if you set them down with your college text, they're not going to have the understanding of everything they're reading because developmentally they're not there yet, but they will actually be able to what we call decode because they know all the rules and the exceptions to the rules. They can decode all of the words there. And it is huge. And to this day, I have an excellent spelling vocabulary. My husband asks me all the time, honey, how do you spell this? Because my husband went to public school and I wasn't homeschooled like me. And he wasn't taught phonics, unfortunately, because phonics has not been taught in schools for over 40 years. So yes, they can, they will be able to decode. They will be able to read those words of a college text, not understand them. But really all it means is that they can pretty much read everything. So you can, at the, at the end of play and talk, you can take them to the library. You can say, honey, you can read any book in this, in this library. What are you interested in? Mm-hmm. And then they can just go off on their adventures, whether they want to read about pirate ships or read about motors or read about, you know, epic fairy tales or, you know, Lord of the Rings, whatever it is that they're interested in, they can now read. It's like the world is open to them. So we taught them to read and now they're going to read to learn. Hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of kids that that is not the process, right? Like you're, you're learning so that you can read, but then you never are really, you never really get past that. I think in a lot of, in a lot of instances, like you're still just reading, but you're not, you're not really learning necessarily. 
Yeah. I mean, how many yeah. times have you read a book and you were just like not really paying attention and you're like had to reread it? And then sometimes for me, about the third time, I'm like, clearly I should not be reading right now. I know when I'm tired because the the dyslexic tendencies come out. And so when I find myself rereading the paragraph because my mind's what I'm like, ah, oh, Amy, come on, focus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Focus or just go to bed, Amy. I mean, there we're adults, right? We get to make these decisions for this ourselves. This is true. Now. This is true. <laughs> I have to constantly remind myself I am an adult. Um, Maybe it's time for bed now. That's right. Maybe I'm just pushing it a little too hard tonight. Just because I can stay up till 10 doesn't mean that I should. That's very, very true. Well, as we're wrapping up, as a homeschool mom yourself who's had success in this program, and now you are seeing it in your own home, you're offering it to other families, your your passion is very clear, and the program sounds incredibly sound, what do you have for our audience as they are walking away from this? Like, what would you like to leave them with? Oh, I think that um, in homeschooling, if you can instill a sense of wonder in your kids and just that attitude that they can do anything that will take them so far in life. Because I mean, I think that it's, I can't even remember. I think it's 400 times a day. A toddler is told no for, for a good reason. Like I tell my kids no all the time, but if you think about it, there's the, the world people in this world will just pretty much tell you can't do that. Oh, just get this kind of job. Oh, just do that. Oh, just do that. You know, if we can instill this sense of wonder and learning and this excitement that they can do anything, they can be anything that put their minds to just a little bit of that impossible factor Then we don't need to ground them in like, oh, this is the reality of life, but give them the, I can do anything. And if they can come out of homeschool, knowing that they can do and tackle anything in life, then really the heights that they can go is, is is no, there are no, there are no limitations. They'll just soar. And it's amazing because, and I say that because I try to do that with my kids and my mom did it with me. And I went on after being diagnosed and told I couldn't do this. I went on to graduate. I got my bachelor's degree, I got master's degree. I'm now running a company that I learned to read with when I was five. I mean, that's, if that's not the bit of the impossible factor, I don't know what is. Yeah. I, I love the word that you use the word wonder, because I do feel like, especially over the last couple of years with all that we have gone through as a, a country in the world. Um, and then, you know, as homeschoolers and, and the influx of people coming into homeschool that we don't want to lose our sense of wonder that we don't need to just do the bare minimum or do what everyone else is doing because that's what's expected of us. Like we get to have that wow factor. And, you know, when people ask my kids, well, didn't you do that? And, and I, I kind of love when they're like, no, but what we did do was, and then they get to talk about their experiences of things that they have done that a traditional schooler didn't get to do, you know, they're not always going to overlap. They're not always going, we don't always have to measure everything. It can just be learning for fun. It can just be, um, enjoying being with our kids because they are small for such a short, short time. So good. I love that. Yeah. Well, Amy, thank you so much for being with us on today. We appreciate uh, what you're contributing to those homeschooling families that are going to be tackling to teach their children to read. 
may, they need and <laughs> use all the resources available to them. Again, it was something too scary in my mind, um, but I'm glad that we have programs like yours to um, promote so that people understand that it's not as hard as it seems and that it is completely doable um, with the right tools. Thank you for listening to this episode of Homeschool Your Way, a podcast by Bookshark. Be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening now so you'll be notified of future episodes. And if you have questions you'd like the hosts to answer or have any feedback about the podcast, please visit bookshark.com podcast to leave your comments. Or you can simply email podcast at bookshark.com.